Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. It is, though, isn't it? The world's turned upside down. All the liberals, progressives, and leftists, as they describe themselves, are baying for more money, for more war. None of them are putting their own tin hats on and getting ready to go and fight in the front line with the poor, bloody infantry of the Ukrainian armed forces. That they leave to deracinated mercenaries and the poor people of Ukraine. But the liberal and progressive media cannot cry more ravenously for more money, for more war in Ukraine. They are daily demanding new fronts and the stepping up of old ones. Donald Trump is the only man speaking sense just today He said that somebody has to negotiate a peaceful ending to the conflict with Ukraine before we're all dragged into World War III, a nuclear war. I'm still quoting him. A nuclear war which would end life on this planet. They are all underestimating the power of nuclear All of those were Donald Trump's words. But the opposite is coming out of the White House. Actually, Trump is being backed up by Elon Musk, who is now, after all, about to be the owner of Twitter, about which more later. He put out a poll which seemed to indicate that the great majority, despite the hyperactivity of the massive robot army of NATO and NAFO and all the other creeps and, uh, and freaks that uh, are in orbit around the NATO bureaucracy in Brussels. 
the defence ministries of the European governments. Never underestimate that. When you see a shoal of public opinion appearing to swim in one direction, keep reminding yourself that you are paying millions, tens of millions of public money in order to keep this robot army, which is determined to have you all think that opinion is swimming in the one direction. But Elon Musk's poll showed the opposite. It showed a big desire, a hunger actually, for an end to this conflict by negotiation, a conflict that need never have started and is about tomorrow to get very, very much worse. They can't get enough, the Liberals. They're staging provocation after provocation, all designed to entice Russia to up the ante so that they can persuade their own public that they need to up that ante too. We've had, of course, just in the last 24 hours, a terrorist attack, possibly by a suicide bomber, imagine, being cheered to the rafters in Western capitals, which, if it were happening at the hands of some Islamist, lunatic, fanatic, blood cultist, mass murderer, would be called just that. But because it happened on the Kerch Bridge and on Putin's birthday, it has been widely celebrated. And, of course, the Russian State Council is meeting in the morning and appropriate answers will be given by Moscow and, who knows, maybe also by Minsk, where there are massive troop movements going on right now in the Belarus, speeding towards the Ukrainian border, and it's only a two-hour drive from that border to the Ukrainian capital, Kiev itself. The provocation, therefore, has worked in the way that the previous provocation last week has not worked. The biggest terrorist attack since 9-11, the American terror attack on the Nord Stream pipelines, which was an attack not on Russia but on Europe and in particular by Germany, actually failed. The gang that couldn't shoot straight only blew up one of the pipelines beyond repair, but the other pipeline is extant, and all that is required is for the German government to open the tap, as tens of thousands of demonstrators in Germany over the last weekend, and this one, are demanding. Mass demonstrations also in France against the Emperor Louis the 16th, or 17th in this case, Emmanuel Macron. Mass demonstrations everywhere. The Austrian president biting his nails in the presidency right now, waiting on the result of the uh, presidential election there with the real possibility, maybe probability, that yet another European government is about to fall, directly related to the giant stone that we've struggled to lift and dropped only on our own feet in the economic war we declared against Russia. The provocations are coming thick and fast. The tossing of so-called collaborators into ditches, their hands tied behind their back, 
signs of torture evident even in the merest glance at the social media posting before one necessarily looks away. People with their throats cut and bullets riddled into their backs and the backs of their head are being boasted about on Twitter. It's funny, you get a false label applied to you if they don't like your political stripe. If you're me, you get kicked off of Twitter. If you're Scott Ritter and you're talking too much well-informed sense, but you can post videos of mutilated corpses being tossed into pits, just like the Eastern Holocaust and the Einsatzgruppen under the leadership of Bandera and his SS collaborators in the Second World War. You can see the death pits right now on Twitter. I just have looked at those death pits posted by the leader of the Azov Battalion. I have just seen a picture of the head of the Ukrainian armed forces. Not some infandus street corner Azov agitator. No, the head of the Ukrainian armed forces. He wears a watch, exceedingly vulgar in every respect, except one panel of the bracelet, very clear, you just have to zoom in, is a Nazi swastika on the watch of the head of the Ukrainian armed forces. You couldn't make this up. Nothing to see here, say the liberals and the progressives. Nothing to see here, says the Guardian and the New York Times and the BBC and CNN. Move quickly on. Nothing to see here. They've chosen their side and they are mounting provocation after provocation. They are endorsing or ignoring every atrocity carried out by their Nazi and fascist and extreme Ukrainian nationalist collaborators, all to force a war with Russia. The question for you is this. Do you want a war with Russia? As Donald Trump said, it might end all human life on the planet. Do you want your children and your grandchildren wiped out in a war to decide whether Isium, which has crossed borders 10 times in 500 years, been in Russia, been in Ukraine, been in Poland, which country it's to be in? Kupiansk, you're ready to die for Kupiansk, because you will if the nuclear rockets start firing. Are you ready to die for Balaklaya? Try saying that in a hurry. That's what this war is about. Whether these places are in Russia and the people are Russian, they speak Russian, they identify as Russian, they want to be Russian. Aren't all you liberals all in favor of self-identification? Regard these people as Russians trapped in a Ukrainian body. Regard them as people in transition. Have some compassion. 
Let them identify. Isn't that what you normally say? Isn't that what you blackguard everybody else for not wanting to say? These people are Russians. They're trapped in a Ukrainian body. And they are determined to be what they want to be, to dress as they want to dress, talk as they want to talk, be themselves. Why don't you understand that? Why instead are you ready to kill all of us to stop Kupiansk being in Russia? I keep saying it because I know you've never heard of Kupiansk. I know you couldn't place it on the map. You can't spell it. You can't even say it. Even I have to write it down. You're going to die for Kupiansk. If something is not done to stop this headlong dash to catastrophe because it's happening tomorrow morning. Because Russia will reply to Ukraine's birthday present on the Kerch Bridge. And they will reply swiftly and devastatingly. If you're in a British or American-linked installation in Kiev right now, I'd get out of there as fast as you can. If you are in any proximity at all to anything connected with NATO and with the foreign governments whose soldiers, yes, soldiers, trainers, special forces, diplomats, propagandists, financiers and armorers are teeming in Kiev, I'd get out of the way very quickly if I was you because I feel sure that tomorrow will not be a good day for Ukraine. It will not be a good day for anyone living anywhere near the installations and the infrastructure of the NATO invaders of the Ukraine. Professor John Mearsheimer, no Bolshevik, him, no Russian, him, no communist, no leftist. Professor John Mearsheimer advised you in a speech you can watch right after this show on YouTube that Ukraine is going to be led into a minefield by NATO policy. It's going to be in a desperate pickle, he said with masterful understatement. He said, Professor Mearsheimer, not me, that Ukraine is going to be destroyed by these NATO provocations, which began at least in 2014 with the overthrow of the elected government in Kiev and its replacement by a motley collection of Nazis, fascists and extreme Ukrainian nationalists whose first act was to delegitimize and illegalize the Russian language in the eastern part of their country where 40% of their population lives were to be made foreigners in their own land. And they have never accepted it. Will never accept it. And so all of you seeking to recover, as you put it, the Crimean Peninsula, which has been Russian for longer than the United States 
has even existed for 500 years. The Russian Navy has been docked there. Those of you seeking to recover Donetsk or Mariupol, this is moonshine. Do you think a nuclear-armed superpower like Russia is going to allow that to happen? And if there was even the remotest danger of it happening, the nuclear weapons would fly and Trump would be right and we would be dead. For Kopiansk, for Balaklaya, and for Izium. Is it worth it? I know it's not your son that's going to be sent to fight there. It's somebody else's son. But it's your son that's going to die when the rockets start firing. Start, fi start firing, they will tomorrow. So when Russia wreaks its terrible revenge for the attack that they warned over and over again was a red line for them, in the morning, tomorrow, the question is, what your leaders are going to do next. So far, despite one after another losing their majority, losing their seat, losing their office, they keep on keeping on. The question is, how long are you going to put up with it? Especially when, on every other front, your governments are such miserable failures. We've got an imposter in 10 Downing Street in Britain. If she wandered into a local town hall in Cleethorpes and claimed to be a local councillor, nobody would believe her. They'd think she was a madwoman that walked in off the street with delusions of grandeur, that she's the lady mayor of Cleethorpes. That's the level of delusion I'm talking about. Of course, she's in office, but not in power. It was the chancellor, him, that big bad boy that done it and ran away, who decided on a budget so berserk that even the Conservative Party could not stomach it for more than 48 hours and forced them to scrap it in the middle of their own party conference in Birmingham. Oh no, she's saying today, I'm not going to cut people's benefits as I said for the last six weeks I was going to do. That was him over there's idea, not mine. But she is in office and a good war, a wag the dog is always attractive for a leader in trouble, is it not? Liz Truss is particularly dangerous right now because she may be gone by Christmas. Joe Biden, bonkers Joe Biden, is particularly dangerous right now because he's facing the mother of all thrashings in the midterm elections in just a few weeks' time in November. A wagging of the dog would do Joe some good, perhaps. Worth a try, is it not? Little soldier Schultz, the head of a minority government in Berlin, might not survive the new year either, so 
Why not turn up the amp, turn up the volume, turn up the weapons flying like some monstrous dark cloud that will rain down acid and nuclear winter on all of us. Now, no member of the British Parliament, virtually no member of the American Congress, virtually no member of any elected parliament anywhere will say anything remotely like what I just said to you now. But there is one woman in the European Parliament, a Joan of Arc, who's come back to walk among us, who speaks so powerfully, the walls of the European Parliament shake. But that's all, because nobody ever reports the things that she says. But here on the mother of all talk shows, we're going to regularly feature Claire Daly, member of the European Parliament. Here she was speaking in the European Parliament this very week. The war in Ukraine is quickly escalating into a wider horror. And from what I can see, practically nobody in this chamber is doing anything to prevent it. In fact, most people seem to get off on the fact that it's escalating. And at this precise moment, of course, as usual, the voices challenging the rush to war are attacked and silenced, smeared as traitors, cronies, Putin puppets, Kremlin stooges, Russian ages. Frankly, it's pathetic. And I don't make the comparison lightly, but the crudeness and cynicism of these slurs coming from mainstream EU parties might as well have been written by Hermann Goering, who infamously said that even though people never want war, they can be brought to war with threats and smears. He said, all you have to do, tell them they're being attacked, denounce the pacifists for lack of patriotism and exposing their country to danger. It works the same every way. Where he led, you are following. This House should be ashamed of this debate. Words are being twisted, meaning subverted, and the truth turned on its head. Opposing the horrible madness of war is not anti-European. It's not anti-Ukrainian. It's not pro-Russian. It's common sense. The working class of Europe have nothing to gain from this war and everything to lose. And I find it laughable that those calling for arms to Ukraine never call for arms for the people of Palestine or for the people of Yemen. Unlike you, I oppose all war. I want it stopped. I make no apology for that, and I'm not going to be scapegoated and labelled. Claire Daly, coming regularly and soon on the mother of all talk shows. Here are the telephone numbers. If you're in the United States or Canada, it's plus one eight four four nine four four double three double four. That's plus one eight four four nine four four double three double four. It's toll free. It will cost you nothing at all. If you're in the United Kingdom or Ireland, it's O eight O eight one nine six double five double two. That's O eight O eight one nine six double five double two. Now, amongst the very few citadels of journalism, investigative journalism of the very highest caliber, is the Grey Zone Project in the United States, which has many fine journalists and commentators writing on it. None finer than Alex Rubenstein, who is an investigative reporter and contributor to the Grey Zone and the host of pro-democracy 
Pod and Alex joins us. Now, welcome back on the mother of all talk shows, Alex. Good to see you again. Uh, let's start, can we, uh, with, uh, with these uh, Nazis who no one else can see uh, in Ukraine. What is it about the swastikas, the death's heads, the SS regalia, the tattoos, uh, the watch bracelets on police chiefs, on the head of the armed forces, on street corners, on Bandera Avenue, where IKEA, of all places, actually proudly sits with Bandera Street Avenue as its address. What is it about all this Nazi memorabilia and regalia that liberals and progressives in the West can't see? Well, first, George, I want to thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's a real pleasure to talk to you and your audience. Uh, the, the propaganda in the, the United States and other NATO countries is the most sophisticated in the world. And so you have uh, this, despite the ubiquity of these Nazi symbols in the Ukrainian armed forces, uh, it's, it's completely glossed over by the media. It's uh, actually the idea of, the, of Nazism existing in Ukraine is delegitimized by the media very intentionally. They say, oh, the president is Jewish. This is something that I've talked about quite a lot in my reporting. But it's because of this propaganda that you have otherwise decently meaning people, uh, people who believe in, in human rights and LGBTQ rights and, and are anti-racist, uh, openly supporting this uh, indisputably Nazi project in Ukraine, which is the war against Russia. Um, you know, you, you have uh, in the West yesterday, uh, widespread celebration by the intelligentsia, verified Twitter accounts uh, unanimously celebrating the terrorist attack, a potential suicide bombing on the Kerch Bridge. Um, this is not the first time that Ukraine has bombed civilian bridges. And yes, it's true that uh, that the Kerch Bridge was also used for military purposes, but it also served civilian purposes. And it was a civilian truck that was blown up. So this is, you know, after 20 years of the war on terror, how how is it that we are now celebrating terrorism? It's it's mind boggling. And it's it's precisely because of how sophisticated the propaganda is uh, anywhere. And there's, you know, this tendency where if you go on social media and you and you put out a counter, uh, a line that is counter to the mainstream narrative, um, you are pilloried. And so the the goal of that is to make the conversation in the digital sphere one sided where you only get one perspective, and that is the NATO perspective. So it's very troubling. And uh, I, I worry for the future of our countries, not only in the realm of foreign policy, but in our domestic policies to fight back in any meaningful capacity because we are so brainwashed. As it happens, uh, I know rather a lot about the Holocaust, and I'm sure you do also. Uh, I'm something of an amateur student of the Holocaust in the East. Uh, the Holocaust in the West, the extermination camps, the gas chambers, and so on, uh, are relatively better known than the Holocaust in the East, which was up close and personal. Uh, the Jews uh, and non-Jews, Polish and Ukrainian, who were massacred in hundreds and thousands, industrial quantities, uh, in the Eastern Holocaust, were not 
as it were, relatively anonymously pushed into, uh, into ovens or into gas chambers. They were piled dead into pits. Fascists and Nazis walked on top of the bodies in the pits, uh, eliminating anybody who moved. Uh, the slaughter lasted for more than a year and a half, and millions of people, most of them Jews, were massacred by the SS, of course, the Einsatzgruppen, of course, but with hundreds of thousands of Ukrainian collaborators who were all followers of this Bandera, who is an icon of the Ukrainian state. How is it that the readers of the New York Times or The Guardian or people who regard themselves as liberals and progressives just turn their face away from that? Well, I, I would imagine it's very easy as a New York Times reporter to turn, turn your face away from that. I mean, if you, if you were to talk about something like this, you would face uh, canceling by, by every imaginable institution. You know, I, early on in this war, I, uh, I, I pointed out that because there was the fake news that actually Zelensky himself uh, promoted that Russia had attacked the uh, the monument at Babin Yar, which is where, you know, over 100,000 uh, people, Poles, Jews um, and communists were uh, massacred, massacred uh, by Stepan Bandera's organization of Ukrainian nationalists. And it's funny that we you mentioned earlier Stepan Bandera Avenue in Kiev, because that leads to the the site where his forces, Bob and Yar, uh, uh, carried out this massacre. To be a New York Times reporter, you have to follow the line. And the line is that um, that, you know, Ukraine is the good guy. Russia's lying about its denazification. The president is Jewish. Meanwhile, the president has promoted uh this uh, Valerie uh, Zaluzny, uh, who wears a swastika bracelet to the head of the armed forces of Ukraine. This is the guy in charge of all the weapons that the United States and Great Britain and Canada and all the other NATO countries are sending. Um, you know, I I'm glad that you talk about the Holocaust of the East. Uh, just, just the other week, Zelensky's bodyguard, his personal bodyguard, was photographed with a patch that calls uh, that, that that references the uh, SS Adolf Hitler division, the, named after Adolf Hitler himself, and these are uh, people who who went from village to village burning uh, houses. Uh, there's one um, in, unit in particular called the uh, bl uh, the Blowtorch Battalion, and I found photographs uh, in for my article about this about this patch uh, this Nazi patch worn by Zelensky's bodyguard of them lighting their cigarettes on the burning roofs, rooftops of, of houses. Uh, this is the kind of terror that uh, the organization of Ukrainian nationalists and, and, and not only them, but the Nazis themselves uh, carried out in the East. And this is the terror, the same terror that the people of Donetsk face today. Uh, my, my very good friend and fellow reporter, uh, Wyatt Reed yesterday was in Donetsk and he was leaving a restaurant and going back to his hotel. And in between the restaurant and his hotel was an artillery strike. What military purpose does an artillery strike have 
in that location? Absolutely none. He's been there for less than 24 hours. And in the course of his time being there, his less than one day in Donetsk, he was nearly killed himself by an artillery strike. This is the exact terror that people of Donetsk have been facing for eight years. And it's totally ignored by the West. Any, any kind of, uh, any kind of um, condemnation is 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 accused of being uh, apologia of, of uh, you know anyone who says you know brings up the history of the past eight years is a Russian apologist Putin stooge, um, and and it's this pressure from uh, from shady organization from shady uh, operations on social media um, from the institutions themselves um, that that silences. Uh, any kind of anti-war message here or any kind of balanced perspective. Um, there can only be one side of this conversation. And, and you know, I, I wanted to point out after I, uh, I, I mentioned this uh, fake news of um, Bob and Yar being bombed by Russia, uh, the, the Holocaust Museum blocked me. I'm, you know, and I'm a Jewish person. So uh, it's even, even, even the organizations that are dedicated towards remembering uh, and, and making sure we all um, keep in mind the lessons of the Holocaust are, uh, are attempting to contribute to this uh, effort of stifling any kind of um, counter narrative against fascism. Now on the, on the subject of, uh, of uh, hoaxes, uh, there are none as large but which were punctured so quickly as the canard that Russia had blown up its own Nord Stream pipelines. Now the U.S. seem uh, not even to be denying anymore that it was them that did it. A terrorist attack by anybody's standards, I argue, the biggest terrorist attack since 9-11. What's the current uh, shape of public opinion on that attack in the United States, Alec. In Germany, 92% of the people believe the US carried out the attack on Nord Stream, which speaks to the good sense of most Germans. What say the American people on this? Well, un unfortunately, George, I can't tell you, I, I don't live in the United States, although I am from there. So my view of the United States and uh, the 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 people and their thinking uh unfortunately comes through twitter which i don't think is entirely accurate um i think that uh people uh in the united states well you know it's interesting because for for most of my life uh liberals questioned um the cia they were very critical of the cia they remember uh the the lies of vietnam unfortunately something has happened since then and once again i go back to the propaganda because uh, it's so it's so powerful and pervasive. Um, something happened, you know, and I would I would place it around 2016. Um, you know, when 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 uh, the the intelligence community concocted this lie with the Hillary Clinton campaign that Russia had hacked our elections, um, brains were 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 were, were like shut off um, en masse. Uh, it's like somebody was at a control board and flipped off all the switches. And I'm no longer confident that uh, the the well-intentioned liberals who, whose you know political community I was uh, born into and raised into um, are are able to um, place the blame on anything but Russia for for really anything. Um, I do think there is one one thing 
that will always um, trump propaganda, and, and that is the price of oil. Um, so as uh, the price of oil goes up, uh, there, there will be more pushback against this war. Unfortunately, I think um, it's going to happen a lot faster in Europe. Uh, you know, for example, you see these massive protests in France against NATO. The Germans are starting to be very critical. Uh, in the United States, not a single communist party, to my knowledge, has held a protest against the NATO war. Um, not a single anti-war group, for, the, for that matter, as well. Um, so you, you see that in the United States, it's very far behind the uh, the rest of Europe and, and many other countries in NATO. Alex, how do people follow your work? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at RealAlexRuby, that's R-U-B-I, and you can read my articles on The Gray Zone. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us on the mother of all talk shows, Alex Rubenstein. Uh, now, I said I had a poll uh, running. Here it is. Which American can broker peace in the Russia-Ukraine war? Humor me. A, Donald Trump. B, Elon Musk. Well, counting the community poll and the poll since this show began, something like 10,000 people have voted. And this is how they've voted so far. Donald Trump, 76%. Elon Musk, 24%. That's on Twitter. On YouTube, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's very, very important. Just click, subscribe, that's it, done. On YouTube, 79% Donald Trump, 21% Elon Musk. And on Telegram, please follow me on Telegram. That's t.me forward slash George Galloway. It's Donald Trump, 74 Elon Musk, 26. Sorry, Elon. People seem to think that uh, the dealmaker, dealmaker Donald Trump, how berserk is it that we're actually hoping that Donald Trump gets involved in the Russia-Ukraine war as being the only way to save us from the end of life on this planet? Of course, everybody who speaks out against the prevailing orthodoxy, places themselves in danger. And there's none have done so more bravely than the guest I'll have right after this break, Katie Halper. Stay tuned. Now, Katie Halper is a writer. She's the host of the Katie Halper Show and co-host of Useful Idiots, which must be a cracking show because there's so much material to work with. But something happened to her on the way to the studio. Let's find out. Katie Halper, welcome back to the mother of all talk shows. Wonderful to see you again. Uh, Thanks so much the, for having me. Uh, accident that, the accident that befell you, uh, the, the act of censorship uh, that, uh, that brought one of your streams of knowledge and wisdom to an end was what exactly? So I uh, have been a guest on the show Rising, which is on the Hill. I've been a guest, a weekly guest. I would come on every week for about three years. Then they also uh, had me do some guest hosting. So doing actual hosting for the show. I had done that four times. I was supposed to do it three more times. It was maybe going to become more regular. I also had pitched them a pilot, which was an all-women's uh, panel show, kind of like The View, but an all-leftist version. 
we'd shot a pilot for that um, and we'd released one clip and that did really well. And uh, while I was hosting um, for them, hosts get to do something called radars. They're basically straight to camera monologues. And I decided that I want to do one about the controversy, which should not have been controversial, but the controversy that followed Rashida Tlaib's claim that uh, you can't really, that progressives are realizing more and more that you can't be progressive and support Israel's apartheid government. And of course, the claim that Israel's government is an apartheid government. She had said that she was attacked. So I decided to both defend her and also make the case that Israel is indeed an apartheid government. And I made the case by citing the United Nations, the International Criminal Court, Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, several Palestinian human rights organizations, the Israeli human rights organization, B'Tselem, um, South African leaders, including Nelson Mandela and uh, Desmond Tutu, and uh, ironically enough, several uh, Israeli politicians and officials, including Israeli prime ministers, all of whom, the ones I cited, all of them warned that uh, apartheid was either happening now or would happen shortly. So I did that, and then they refused to run that monologue. And then when I pushed back and asked if they could let me at least talk about it as a guest, if not running my monologue, that's when I was told that I, uh, my services were no longer needed. So my appearing, my three, something that had happened over the course of three years regularly, that relationship was severed. And I was told to basically to submit all any, any and all unpaid invoices. And I was told best of luck. Of course, the fools on the hill uh, had never heard of the Streisand effect. Uh, and of course, uh, you have now been lifted by the Streisand effect. The book they ban always goes to the top of the right. bestseller list. What was the reaction amongst the public to this extraordinary, brute act of censorship? So the great news was that despite the fact that I was censored by the Hill, I definitely wanted to get the message out there and I had written this script. So what I did was I reached out to the great people at Breakthrough News who are actually an independent media organization who don't engage in censorship and don't censor their hosts. So I collaborated with them and we made the video that I had written the script for, which I had, again, I had actually recorded it on the Hill. It's not that they didn't record it. They just recorded it and refused to release it. So I made that, and you can find that video both on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's youtube.com slash the Katie Helper Show, or on Breakthrough News' YouTube channel. And the response that I've gotten has been overwhelmingly positive. Uh, a lot of support. Uh, my Patreon has gone up, which is nice, which is patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. I'm just going to shamelessly plug that. But it's true. People have really re well, a lot of people have reached out. Well, you you're no longer being paid by the Hill. Right, yes. So, uh, and I wrote a piece, an op-ed about it for the Daily Beast because I wanted to make sure it was in a kind of mainstream corporate publication. I didn't think it would reach the hill in the same way if I did it somewhere kind of more leftist or more independent. So I decided to do it the Daily Beast. Um, it's been covered by the um, Sheer Post, Mondo Weiss, uh, Palestine Legal, um, the Worldwide Socialist Web, uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting some places now. Oh, Juan Cole. Um, and yeah, a lot of people. Uh, Roger Waters saluted, you know, saluted me and Rashida Tlaib. Rashida Tlaib tweeted about it. Roger Waters mentioned it on the Joe Rogan show. So, and of course, I mean, 
this is what happened to me pales in comparison to what happens to Palestinian journalists. And of course, as we all know, Palestinian journalists risk their not just their livelihoods, but their lives. And of course, Shireen Abu Akleh is just one of the several examples of that. So I want to, of course, make sure to uh, elevate that those stories. And um, also want to shout out Adala, the really good legal and human rights organization that I, whose work was really helpful for the monologue that I wrote, and also Electronic Intifada, who do great work, and also whose work I, I looked to when I was writing that monologue. Now, um, I presume you were attacked as being anti-Semitic. Well, but you are Jewish. Uh, right. This so, is no. I, go, go yeah, on. I am. So I have to. I have to. I like to correct people and say, I, "You're you're lobbing the wrong smear." I prefer self-loathing Jew. Thank you. They're erasing me when they call me an anti-Semite. Of course, I kid somewhat because the people who call you anti-Semitic or self-loathing Jew, their their thesis is that um, I've internalized anti-Semitism. And of course, what I say to that is the irony is that. The anti-Semitic trope is that all Jews are a monolith who have the same opinion on Israel. That's the anti-Semitic trope. That's the stereotype. Uh, being Jewish does not mean you have a certain political ideology. It does not mean you unquestioningly and blindly support the uh, government of Israel. In fact, there's been a long, rich history of anti-Zionist uh, Jewish uh, scholarship and activism. And so what places like APAC and the ADL Anti-Defamation League and APAC like to do is pretend that any criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic, and they do that so that they can stifle or delegitimize the very legitimate and uh, valid criticism of Israel. So since they know they can't really push back on the arguments, they can't push back on the facts on the ground, such as the fact that Israel is an apartheid government, they can't do that. So what they do is they try to shoot the messenger so that they can try to taint the message. And uh, again, the irony is that there is real anti-Semitism in the world when places like the ADL and APAC weaponize anti-Semitism to stifle critique of Israel. They are trivializing anti-Semitism. Yes, and I was going to make the point that here in, the, I don't know if you saw the Al Jazeera uh, expose the uh, of the, yes, the labor files, uh, which uh, all these wonderful slightly elderly now, uh, Jewish women fighters that featured in that program uh, who have been fighting anti-Semitism and racism and for justice for Palestine for all of their adult lives. Right. All of them have now been kicked out of the Labour Party. Keir Starmer, right. in the name of rooting out anti-Semitism, has expelled more Jews from the Labour Party than anyone would ever have dreamt of in the entire history of the labor movement. It's really disgusting. Uh, it is a ironically uh, disgusting thing to do, especially, you know, targeting Jews is kind of an ironic thing to do when you're claiming to stamp out anti-Semitism. But again, it just shows you how uh, cynical these people are, people who weaponize anti-Semitism and just try to use it for political mean, uh, ends. 
And I would also say that something is uh, that's important to look at is, you know, because APAC and ADL do not represent most Jews. And for a lot of Jews, it's actually their Jewish values. I mean, this is a whole other discussion we could get into, but there's even something called tikkun alam, which is Hebrew for repair the world. And that is a social justice idea that motivates some Jews. And that's something that makes some Jews actually speak out against what Israel's doing and say, not in our name, not in my name. And uh, of course, the uh, atrocious, horrific uh, tragedy, uh, abomination that is the Holocaust is something that for many Jews, progressive Jews, that's something that is, it's because of things like that, that we don't want to stand in solidarity with what Israel's doing, because the way that you respond to the Holocaust should not be through ethnic cleansing and apartheid state. Well, uh, a late and great friend of mine, the, the right honorable Sir Gerald Kaufman, uh, who, uh, whose grandmother was uh, murdered in the Holocaust, said my grandmother wasn't murdered in her bed in Eastern Europe to provide cover for Israeli terror forces right. murdering other people's grandmothers in their beds in the occupied Palestinian lands. It was one of the most electric parliamentary moments. Uh, look it up. Wow. But, but Katie, uh, here's, the, uh, here's the other irony. The theme tonight on the show is world turned up upside down. And one of the extents to which the world is turned upside down is that it is people who identify themselves as being left, liberal, progressive, who are hottest on censorship in this strange year of 2022. We've got the grotesque spectacle of people on the right championing free speech and people on the left seeking to cancel people like you and me. How does that make you feel? Yeah, that's pretty disturbing to see. And of course, it's not all leftists, but there are some people who identify as left and actually try to get people like you and me kind of canceled as members of the left. I would just say that anyone on the left who supports censorship is either being short-sighted or disingenuous because the people who suffer most from censorship are the people on the left. And of course, this is a great example of, uh, you know, people who are really canceled and censored are people who probably one of the most censored groups of people are people who criticize Israel and defend Palestine. And if you're a Palestinian, forget about it. So anyone who cares about, uh, allegedly cares about the most marginalized people in the world and elevating those voices should know that censorship is not going to get them anywhere. Katie, I wish you all the best. I know that this big audience tonight will be uh, saying the same thing. I hope we see you again. Uh, before too yes. long, and the best of luck with the work Thank that you've you. still managed to hold on to. I hope the Streisand effect sweeps you to ever greater audiences. Thank you yes, for uh, again. joining us. Uh, now, uh, the good news uh, is that at halftime, Manchester United are beating Everton 2-1. I'd like to thank the Premiership for scheduling Manchester United's home game against Everton or seven o'clock, exactly when my show began. Uh, now, listen, on Wednesday, we relaunch the midweek mother of all talk shows at 9 p.m. UK time, 9 p.m. UK time. 
We're gathering money to make sure it doesn't go up like a rocket and come down like a burnt stick. We want it to go into orbit and stay there. And everyone who has contributed, uh, it's something like £40,000 has been contributed over this six months. Everyone who was a part of that will be memorialized forever in a role of honor, just as soon as we can get round to it. If you want to be on that role of honor, of those who kept the mother of all talk shows going when all other means of support were deprived, were kicked from underneath us, then you still have a few days left to do it. If you are on YouTube, go to the super chat mechanism. It's the easiest. You can get a comment. It'll be highlighted. I will read it. I might even be able to read it out on the show, either today or on Wednesday. And uh, it can be in any denomination, any amount. One dollar, one euro, one pound, one Norwegian crown, one uh, Australian dollar. You can give any amount in any denomination. So if you're on YouTube, please do that now. If you're not, go to moats.tv and look for the donate button and make a donation there. And then you'll be memorialized forever as one of those heroes who kept this show going. We've got a sponsor for the first hour of the midweek show and all will be unveiled on Wednesday, but we still need a sponsor for the second hour. If you are a business person out there with the means and the motive of putting your company and its message in front of hundreds of thousands of people every week after Wednesday, it will be millions of people watching the mother of all talk shows every week. If you want your name, your message out there, it is dirt cheap in advertising terms to get that message on. So contact us if you will. Wow, GM gave a whopping 100 pounds. GM, whether it's GM Motors or genetically modified foods, I have no idea. But Mr. or Ms. GM, for that 100 pounds, I thank you. The first to donate tonight was the one and only Albert Sontag. Uh, thanks for hosting the great Garland Nixon from the USA, George. Thanks for all your effort and courage. Thank you, Albert, for all the help every single week that you gave us during this most difficult six months. Jason Kane gives a pound. Annie, 2099, gives two pounds. Esther Apple gives $10. Kyle Wool gives $5. TC gives $5. Edmund Dante gives £17.99. Flat Racing Guru UK, the best name of the night. Uh, George, even billionaires have low IQ, begs the question, how do folks who are easily brainwashed become billionaires? Or, I'll tell you what, Guru, thinking that Putin will be hit where it hurts if you turn off all the heating in your 60-room castle and you and your 10th wife shiver to death, that's hitting Putin where it really, really hurts, don't you think, Guru? Adil Farid gives AED25. Tolo Burke gives US 
1999. Karim Alnashi, 17 pounds 99. And Mike Pepper, 10 pounds. George, you are making me cry. Harry McLegs gives US 20. One minute to midnight. May the gods have mercy on us. And might they, we all know who they are, may their infernal master call them home sooner rather than later. We can only hope. Don't forget to vote on the poll which American can broker peace in the Russia-Ukraine war. That then follows Hobson's choice. Donald Trump or Elon Musk? So far, uh, over three quarters uh, of the well over 10,000 votes that have been cast throughout the day favor Donald Trump. As I said, it's a world gone mad when Donald Trump is the only one speaking sense about the war in Ukraine. Who'd have thunk it? Well, let's hear what the sage from the USA, the one and only Garland Nixon, thinks about that. Uh, welcome, Garland. Always a delight, not a pleasure, a delight to have you on the show. Let's start with that point. Uh, neither of us are supporters of Donald Trump. I don't think that's a secret to anyone on either side of the pond. Uh, how did it come to pass that Donald Trump, with Henry Kissinger providing the intellectual heavyweight ballast, are the only people in America, or here for that matter, talking sense about the need to stop this war before it goes nuclear? I think one of the thing, one of the things that has happened recently is uh, Joe Biden was speaking at a fundraiser in New York, and he, uh, you know, invoked the specter of nuclear war, and, and in particular, he used the word nuclear Armageddon. I think that the um, the neocons had planned on arguing that you know we were in danger of a nuclear war so that they could get people more frightened and more easy to, easy to control. But I think it had the opposite effect, particularly amongst the the wealthy and powerful who you know they want to stick around a while and enjoy their wealth and power. Consequentially, we've seen a number of very powerful people come out and say, whoa, let's put the brakes on and uh, perhaps we need to, to, to talk this thing down. And, and uh, Donald Trump, you know, specifically now is calling for immediate uh, diplomacy to end the Ukrainian, uh, the Ukraine um, conflict. I think that's going to have a dramatic effect, particularly because he has so much power and such a strong following in the Republican Party. It's going to make it more difficult for the, um, the neocon Republicans to move forward allied with the Biden neocons. Yes, uh, one would have thought so, uh, but it has come to something where it's labeled far right to be trying to stop a nuclear war. Once upon a time, that was the loony left's job. Yeah, well, absolutely. But I think what has happened is this has gone, and, and particularly, as I said, it's very important that Joe Biden did this and that the neocons lately have been pushing this nuclear war um, trope. You know, clearly you, you can see that it was a plan because it's everywhere in the news and it's be, being discussed everywhere. And I think it was really part of their plan. They saw um, you know, the the uh, the support dissolving and they felt this was going to help. And instead, they scared the bejesus out of Americans. And now people are going in the opposite direction. And I also think it's going to have a, a really uh, bad effect on them, because as people call, particularly people of note, Donald Trump, Jeffrey Sachs, Elon Musk, start calling for a, um, a negotiated end, 
it will reveal the truth about the neocons, that they aren't honest players here, that they don't want an end, and that, that this is not about what they're saying about they really want to weaken Russia, that they're really playing a game here, and they're not being honest with the American people. So they don't want a negotiated end, and that's going to make it deal more difficult for the neocons to hide their, um, their malicious intentions, shall we say. That's a very shrewd uh, observation, as always, from you. Uh, uh, Trump, therefore, you're saying, is not actually leading this. He's responding to what is uh, a rising tide. I mentioned uh, Mearsheimer earlier, but Sachs is a much more uh, contemporary and centrist figure uh, in American academia. And his calls this week were so powerful and so damaging to the Biden administration. And then Elon Musk, who has been flying the Starlink uh, satellites that the Ukrainian gunners were using uh, for targeting, he turns uh, in uh, a dramatic 180. uh, So in a way, this is not isolated. This is not uh, Donald Trump just out there. This is something that is happening across the board, center-right maybe, but across that center-right board. Well, you know, and, uh, you know, let's never underestimate Donald Trump's political inclinations, his political abilities. Donald Trump, I think Donald Trump was probably somewhat, you know, opposed to this from the beginning. Um, He's continually saying, if I was in charge, this wouldn't have happened. And I think Donald Trump might have waited a while. He had, you know, kind of made some references that he wasn't happy that this wouldn't have happened under him. But I think he was waiting for the political cover. And I think someone like a Sachs, who's considered on the left, someone like an Elon Musk, who's considered somewhat of an independent, maybe a bit of a libertarian, they gave Donald Trump the cover that he needed. They're significant characters of note to come out strong. And I think that's going to be, um, it's going to make it difficult for the Republican Party because how do the neocon Republicans respond? How do they, now do the neocon Republicans push back against their base and side with Joe Biden? So this is a huge move by Donald Trump in the pressure that it's going to create within the Republican Party. Now, uh, Garland, I have very good eyesight. Uh, Don't let the glasses fool you. Uh, There's a hat behind you which says Nixon 2024. Are you running for office, Congressman? Uh, if uh, what is it? If, if if nominated, I will not accept. And if you know, you know the old uh, General Sherman uh, uh, story. But no, I put I, I got that for fun. I put it back there just to kind of create a little bit buzz. You know, there are circumstances that I would consider it yes, but at this point, certainly not. You never know. Ah, well, I think uh, you should consider it. You'd be truly outstanding. Uh, let's talk about elections, though. Um, How is it shaping up for the midterm elections? What's your educated guess a month out? Uh, Well, here's I I think the uh, black swan event, as it were, is going to be gas prices. Um, I think that uh, there are two things I would keep an eye on. Number one, gas prices, if they continue to jack up, it's not going to work out well well for the Democrats. I also want to keep an eye on this Donald Trump Ukraine stuff, because the fact of the matter is this. The polls show that more and more Americans are concerned with this war and and the numbers are are, uh, dramatically moving in the direction of those who want to negotiate it in. So I think 
if Donald Trump really starts to grab the um, this thing and run with it, that could have a dramatic effect on, on the Democrats. So gas prices, certainly um, the issue of the Ukraine war, I think, are, are very big. As I see it right now, I think the Democrats take a take a pretty nasty beating. And then um, we're going to be looking then afterwards. I think this is important. After the election, in all likelihood, it, appear, it appears like the Russians are going to have their um, their feet set, as it were, with their new reserves. Uh, Joe Biden's going to be sitting there reeling from the beating that he took in the midterms with a lame duck Democratic uh, majority and dealing with, you know, in all likelihood, the, um, the the Russians making some kind of offense. So, you know, I'm interested in it. I don't think the Democrats do well. It's The question is, do they lose a little or do they get annihilated? Right now, with what's happening with gas prices, I'm going to lead towards uh, a uh, destruction of biblical proportions for the Democratic Party. Uh, so sad, too bad, never mind, as we say in Glasgow. Uh, but the uh, the the biblical annihilation, uh, which would be a cause of great celebration in my household, uh, I must confess, uh, will then leave the Republican Party in control uh, of the Congress and its agenda. Joe Biden, to call him a lame duck, is an insult to lame ducks. I mean, this is a dead duck presidency. <laughs> Uh, certainly bred from, dead from the shoulders up, uh, the likelihood of criminal charges, of impeachment and so on, uh, reverse ferreting by the Republicans must be very high. Uh, and uh, the plump target of Hunter Biden uh, must all, uh, and Joe Biden's role, nefarious role, I'll go so far, to say, in Ukraine when he was the vice president to Barack Obama, this will all hove into view uh, for political pay-per-view television, don't you think? Absolutely. But I also think that um, Joe Biden better be looking over both shoulders. There are now some signs that um, the Democratic Party and his own support may be uh, turning on him. Interestingly enough, there is a show called Saturday Night Live that comes on every Saturday night. And it's known, you know, it's the heart of liberalism in New York. And they, you know, attack Trump every week. And Joe Biden's wonderful. Well, they did a show this week where they um, they made a jest of Joe Biden's, uh, you know, uh, mental lack shall we say they made they joked about how bad things are in America that certainly is a bad sign for Joe Biden those people are at the vanguard of liberal um, philosophy and politics in America I think that if the midterm is as bad as we suspected it that it will be that the Democratic Party will be looking for a way to jettison Joe Biden. I also think that Hunter Biden may be a path to that in that they, you know, argue, look, you've got to leave. They're about to charge Hunter. They're going to investigate you and Hunter. You're going to bring the party down. Why don't you walk out the door? The problem they have is, though, they have Kamala Harris. And let's face it, you know, she's about as bright as a wet match in a dark cave. So they, they don't have a lot of ways out. But I, I, I think they're going to be looking to ditch Joe Biden after the midterms. Kamala Harris is one problem, but there is another one. Joe Biden cannot walk out the door. First of all, he can't walk. And secondly, he can't find the door. 
Yeah. Well, yes. You know, it's it, 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 it's uh, you know, you're watching that. It's getting embarrassing anytime Saturday Night Live. I mean, Saturday Night Live. If they, these are people that literally did Christmas carols to Mueller. They sung. We wish you a Mueller Christmas. And I mean, these they're, they're the worst, <laughs> worst liberals. And they're making jest of Joe Biden's mental lapses. I mean, the guy just wanders around the stage aimlessly for no apparent reason. Night after night, they can't figure out how to get him going in the right direction. It's getting embarrassing for the party. And I think once they really get wiped and once they get wiped out in November, they don't have to admit that it's their policies. They don't have to admit that it's neoliberalism and that it's Ukraine. They can say, we just had a bad guy here. And now that we've cleaned him up, the party will turn right around and Kamala Harris will take us in the right direction. If she can figure out what the right, if she can like figure out which is North Korea and which is South Korea and things of that nature. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that one. Garland Nixon, as always, thanks very much for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. What a superstar that man is. Which American can broker peace in the Russia-Ukraine war? Sort of tongue-in-cheek, but uh, thousands of you have responded, and overwhelmingly, I'll not bother with the numbers, they're all over three-quarters, uh, have, uh, have said that Donald Trump is the man. Uh, Jerry Jacobs has given £8.99. Jerry, thanks for that to the Fighting Fund. Thanks for saying it loud and clear. George, thank you, Jerry. Uh, Michael Hughes uh, gives £5. Super introduction of sound ideas, Mr. Galloway. Thank you, Michael. Uh, Matlas X gives $9.99. The year 69 AD was known as the year of four emperors in Rome. I didn't know that. Every day is a school day. How many prime ministers will the UK have 12 months after Boris Johnson? AD 69. Let's all look that year up. That is fantastic. Well, there's every chance that it's a revolving door and that Liz Truss will be gone and Boris Johnson will be back. Um, you'll have to move all that furniture, that very poorly chosen furniture and decor back in. Don't let her wallpaper the place again. It passed public expense. She might not be there long enough to hang up her Christmas stocking. Revelyn Gale gives two pounds from puppet Zelensky to terror doll Chucky Zelensky. Dave Shaw gives five pounds. I will always be thankful of what Russia sacrificed in World War II to beat the Nazis. Thank you, Russia, says Dave. Ian Robert Houghton gives two pounds. Bring the truth, GG Fighting Fund. And Wayne Veach gives $32.99 South African Rand. Thank you, Wayne. Steve gives 20 British pounds and says, I remember 20 years ago when I was young and stupid, I hated you, George. 20 years later, here's 20 quid. I love everything you do and have done. Steve, there is greater rejoicing in heaven when a sinner doth repent than when 99 who hath no need of repenting. And you know the rest, as Joe Biden would say. Thanks very much indeed. I love you. Kevin Bill gives £10 and says, worried about your blood pressure, George. But then if we're all going to get a factor five, <laughs> if we're all going to get a factor five million suntan, it won't matter, I guess. That's true, actually. I might as well start smoking cigars again. There's not long to go. Now, uh, there's no point in uh, plugging the mother of all talk shows Roadshow in Stockport on the 7th of November because the tickets sold out weeks ago. 
more than a month before the show. Uh, so hard luck if you now decide that you would have liked to have gone. But you will be able to see some excerpts from it on uh, the subsequent editions of the Mother of All Talk Shows because my good wife, Gayatri, with her red gloves, will be moving amongst the audience doing Vox Pops. Uh, she's looking surprised at me now because she doesn't know if she can find those red gloves. Uh, those of you who've been watching us on television for many years will know the red gloves I mean. Uh, but you can buy lots of other things from the shop. Uh, in particular, the merchandise is going really well. We're moving out of t-shirt weather, but it's definitely polo shirt weather always, and, uh, and uh, hoodies and so on. They're rather nice. Um, I tried to persuade Gayatri to model them, but she wouldn't do so, modesty being her strongest suit. But uh, I might actually put up a picture of me, and I haven't been in a t-shirt in 50 years, but I'm the same weight I was 50 years ago, so maybe I should squeeze myself into one of those. Let's hear from Kevin in Suffolk. Go ahead, Kevin. Hi, George. Um, there's a couple of things uh, I wanted to say. Um, the first thing is um, I was very interested uh, to find out that one of these pipelines is actually still functioning, and no one's actually said which one. Yeah, me too, yeah. Right. Well, yeah, no, I don't, know. I don't know which one either. Well, the point is, if it's Nord Stream 2, that is the new or singing or dancing one with a much bigger capacity um, and sort of a much improved pipeline. So it's going to be very strange if that's the only one that's functioning um, when specifically the Americans didn't want that, that one um, activated. So if no, they American did bomb one, it. No, uh, no, no. Kevin, they did bomb them both. It's just that they didn't bomb one of them well enough. No, I get that. Uh, I and completely it is, get that. Uh, op it is operable. But they yeah. both were bombed. No, I, I completely get that, George. What I'm saying is if they failed with Nord Stream 2, um, it's going to blow up in their face because that's the one they specifically yeah. didn't want active. Um, exactly. Okay. And, so, and, and by the way, sorry to interrupt you, Kevin, for a minute. It puts enormous pressure on Soldier Schultz in Berlin uh, because his people are rising uh, against the German government's policy. And whereas he would have been able to say, well, I can't actually now uh, restart the Russian gas flow because somebody's blown up the pipelines. Now he can't say that. Last word to you, Kev. Well, OK. Um, I wanted to say quickly, because I'm very concerned. I mean, I think we're actually in a... As dangerous a situation. I was born three months before the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis, so I don't remember it. So I can't actually say this is the most dangerous situation of my lifetime, but it's just certainly the most dangerous I remember. And I just cannot... I've said to you before, and I follow the Duran, and those guys um, have actually been voicing criticisms of the Russian army. It's impossible to understand what the strategy is um, for somebody who what, who believes in a multipolar world order, and you know I'm I actually quite you know I listen to Putin speak and I can't I can't find too much fault in what he's got to say, but the point is they're not following following or they don't seem to be following a strategy for victory, and my worry is 
they 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 had the situation with uh, Moskva, which um, you know it turns out, and Russian intelligence must have known well before we did that the Americans supplied the weapons and the uh, satellite uh, uh, intelligence for it for that operation. So effectively, the Americans sunk their flagship, and there's been no response to that. Um, you know, that I, I know the bridge bombing. Okay, um, it, it's not as uh, it's not a, a big strategic victory, but it's very symbolic. The, the fact that they got through and bombed this thing that was, the, you know, a big symbol of the link between Russia and Crimea. There's all this stuff going on. My worry is that um, there is criticism building in Russia, and um, if there is a political collapse, that is about the only circumstance that I can see uh, nukes being released. And if you respond well, to that... Uh, uh, you're, if, you, if you mean, uh, Kevin, if you mean political criticism uh, of, uh, of Putin, as it were, from the liberal side, you're quite wrong. Uh, Russia has lost 250,000 Guardian reading uh, progressive liberals uh, who fled the country, even though none of them were ever going to be called up. But it has gained 8 million people from eastern Ukraine who actually want to be Russian. The main criticism of the Russian government is coming from those who cannot understand why Russia is fighting this war with one hand tied behind its back, uh, tied up in legalisms, wearing velvet gloves. Russia could have ended all uh, civil society in Ukraine in an afternoon. It could have put every light out. It could have cut off every power station. It could have destroyed every railway. Nothing uh, would be able to move on any motorway, but it hasn't done any of those things. The things that we did within hours of our war that we launched against uh, Iraq, for example. And that's what I think Putin will be responding to after tomorrow morning. Elvis is in the building, after all, but he wants a fight with me. Will I? Will I let Elvis back in? Do I need a fight? Do I need a fight? You bet I do. Elvis, get ready. But first, it's Gerard in Kilwinning. Go ahead, Gerard. Hi, George. Great to be back on the show. I've tried to go on a few times in the last week, but it must be because you've... And genuinely, congratulations to you and the guys. It's really doing a great job, and I think the show's going from strength to strength over the last two years. Um, you really are doing a great job, you and your team, so I just want to say that, first of all. Um, yeah, I think I think you and the last caller Thank kind you. of stole my thunder a little bit. Um, but just, just the more general terms, right? When do the adults come back in the room regarding this situation? I mean, when and you heard Gal next to talking about Biden saying, oh, well, we're close to nuclear Armageddon. Well, you're the president of the biggest nuclear power in the world. What You're actually funding another country to kill the second biggest nuclear power in the world, soldiers. So you are, by definition, killing Russian soldiers every single day. And I, and I think you pointed out the, the, the point about Putin, George. In my opinion, he's actually been quite reserved as well and quite concerned of how he's approached this war. My concern is if, for example, there was a coup in Russia, who takes over? Is it some of these Russian generals who were in charge in Chechnya or in Syria? I mean, look at what they did there. So, in a way, 
it's kind of the Putin would actually play it a bit safe. I would be really concerned about you know a nuclear exchange if he was to be off, as so many in the West seem to want to happen. Who takes over? It's going to be you know who who knows. That's the problem. It's better the devil you know, or rather than not. I'm just I'm really really terrified of where this is going, and I really feel it's going to World War Three. A nuclear arm again sooner than we think if we don't actually put a real stop to what we are doing in Ukraine. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, very powerful call. Uh, the uh, the statement about nuclear Armageddon has not been walked back by Joe Biden, although he has refused all further questioning on it. His press secretary said you can email him like he understands email uh, or is capable of uh, replying to emails. Uh, the um, the phrase is, as you say, uh, redolent of uh, doom. Uh, if you are the president of the biggest nuclear power on the earth and you're in a war, no point in pretending otherwise, you're in a war by proxy, but also uh, by your own forces and weapons and so on, with the second biggest nuclear power, to say other than that we are in real danger uh, of, uh, of a nuclear war breaking out in Europe uh, is uh, to be an ostrich. It's to bury your head in the sand. Speaking of which, let's go to Kenny in Acton if he's there. Come on, Kenny. Come, come and have a go, Kenny, if you think you're hard enough. Come on, Kenny. Come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. While we're waiting uh, for him to uh, gird his loins, uh, let's go to Fundamentals in Southend-on-Sea. Welcome, Fundamentals. Hello, George. Thanks for taking me call again. It's good to hear your voice. George, I could talk to you on a number of things. I could talk about Ukraine. I'm desperately in need to have a great conversation about Trump. We disagree on a lot of things on that. But I've got a question for you, George. I've, I've been asking a lot of people over the last two years. Nobody has been able to stop me. Now, the UK government run the benefit system online. You, to sign into your account, they send you a ver verification code on, on your cell phone, on your device. It's safe. It hasn't been hacked and it hasn't even been attempted to be hacked. Now, this is the question, George. Why can't one person, one vote online on all democratic issues, reducing the government because right now we've got psychopaths who practice in dishonesty before they practice in truth. Dishonesty is destroying democracy. The, the guy there who you said, John Murphy. Well, I, I, look, it's a, it's, a very, it's a very good point. I'm cutting you short only because of the hour, but you'll get another chance on Wednesday. Uh, it's a very good uh, point. Uh, the uh, ancient method... Uh, of a wet Thursday uh, going down to a school uh, to put a paper ballot in a box is just that. It's an ancient uh, policy that uh, I believe has uh, passed its sell-by date. So uh, there's every reason to make the argument for more referendums uh, which can be uh, operated, as you say, online uh, with the opportunity, of course, to uh, get a paper ballot if, uh, like Joe Biden, you're not capable of operating a computer, uh, uh, then uh, you can uh, deal with all kinds of big issues in that way. I don't think that the day will ever come 
where every matter of public policy would be so decided. But this one, for example, should we be sending money and weapons and training to Ukraine? Yes or no? Vote online or at your school, your workplace, your supermarket, your church, your mosque, your football club, etc. Why not? That sounds to me like a huge step forward for democracy. Uh, Kenny is uh, on the line. I'm glad to hear. Welcome back, Kenny. What would you like to say? Good evening, George. Now, don't take it personally that I'm going to disagree with you on something here, OK? You lost your, you lost your temper at me the last two times we've spoken had a disagreement. It's nothing personal. You know, I just... Uh, I have my own points of view on certain things. I understand you're a, bit, you're a lot more researched than me, but I just wanted to ask you your thoughts. Here's my opinion, right? Vladimir Putin is losing the war. And 300,000 people have fled Italy. 300,000 fighting-aged men have tried to flee over the border. Vladimir Putin's locked the borders to stop any more people leaving. He's then resorted to a dad's army-style recruitment to try and get older men to join the army. I think the guy is losing. I seriously do. What's your thoughts on that? My thoughts are that you should stop reading the Sunday Post. Uh, a man of your age uh, should have moved on by now. None of those things that you have just said is true. And if the Russians are losing the war, how come 25% of Ukraine just left Ukraine and voted in overwhelming numbers in lines of voters laughing and smiling as they did so with not a gun in sight except Ukrainian bombs falling on them from time to time overwhelmingly to leave Ukraine. So Russia just inherited 8 million new Russians and you're going to find out tomorrow what the Russian response to the bombing of the Kerch is. There are not 300,000 Russians in Italy. The borders of Russia are not locked. Anyone who wants to leave Russia can leave. 250,000 have left. Most of them have gone to Georgia, to Kazakhstan, to <coughs> Turkey and to Serbia. Uh, the numbers of reservists that are being called up are not older men. They're men on the active res reserve list. And you're going to see them in action, Kenny. You need to stop reading propaganda. I thought you'd do better than that. But there's a legend on the line. Clear the decks. It's Norma in Bristol. Go ahead, Norma. Hello, George. Um, it's a bit flippant, really. A, a, a long, long time okay, ago. Okay, that's what we need at this time of night. <laughs> well, okay. I did this. I had a boyfriend who was an Iraqi student about 65 years ago, and he taught me a bit of Russian. Now, sounds a bit weird. What I wanted to do was, about your show, can I just quote three little tiny bits and see if you understand it? You probably will. So, can I quote it? Yeah? Yes, of course. Yeah. Well, There's this lots is of the Russian first. speakers listening to this. <laughs> this is the first one. Yalibiala blue, 
and it's about your show. And then I say to you, Spassy Bo and Dizvidania. Now, do you know what I said? Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, well, thank you and goodbye. If I knew any Russian, I'd have to kill you uh, if, before, uh, if I admitted it. Uh, I yeah, you, know no Russian. I am right. not a Russian. You got, you got no, that right. I uh, know. There's no Russians behind me. There's no Russians working me. There's no Russians telling me what to do. And never have. Uh, attempted to tell me what to do. But I'll tell you what, Norma, like you, I love to hear the Russian language, even if it is spoken by an Iraqi, which is a great story in itself. <laughs> I hope your husband's not upset at you uh, talking about this ex-boyfriend, but it was 65 years ago. Uh, the uh, the uh, Russian culture, the Russian people, but above all, the Russian contribution to the defeat of fascism and the beast of Hitlerism in the rubble of Berlin in May of 1945 all ensured them a very comfortable place right in the center of my heart. I'm not affiliated to the Russian state media. I'm not paid by Russia, but I do support the unity, the integrity, and the dignity of the Russian people. And I believe that those are at an all-time high, certainly in the post-Soviet period. And I believe that the reason for that is the presidency of Vladimir Putin. As I have said many times, Norma, I wouldn't have been voting for him uh, if I'd been a Russian at the last election. But I'll tell you what, I'd vote for him at the next election because I think that he has emerged for the vast majority of people in the world, remembering that only 13% of the people of the world are Westerners like you mm. and me, the great majority of the world sees Russia, sees Putin as standing up to the bullies, the colonizers, the imperialists, the slavers, the people that took their countries uh, hostage and dragged their people across the seas for profit as slaves and who have invaded virtually every country in the world, uh, while Russia and even China more particularly have invaded nobody. I believe that this war was forced on Russia, that these people, as I said earlier, in eastern Ukraine are Russian and have now come home. All of these views I have freely and independently formed in my own mind and heart. Nobody paid me to, nobody rented me to. In fact, those views are entirely consistent across all of my life. And if people don't like it, I'm sorry, I'm not one of those that uh, says things in order to be liked. I'm not someone who says things in order to get votes. I tell people what I truly feel. And what I truly feel, Norma, is that you are a legend, a Russian-speaking legend. I hope you've not got any snow on your boots. I hope you've not got any snow on your boots and a wee vodka there in front of you because people will be getting suspicious. Well, look, that's all I've got time for. I always like to end the show 
with Norma's dulcet tones and revelations about her love life 65 years ago. But here's the good news. I'll be back again with the second half of the show on Wednesday. The midweek mother of all talk shows begins on Wednesday at 9 p.m. UK time. All singing, all dancing. Be there or be square. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 